Well, we are continuing uh, our series of messages on uh, Christmas gifts. And today we're looking at the fourth gift that we find under God's Christmas tree, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. And uh, that fourth gift is the gift of love. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we've been looking at a wonderful passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 5 that lists about 12 different things that God wants to give to His children. And uh, we picked out five of those. And Christmas Eve and just uh, tomorrow night, we'll look at uh, the last gift that really is the most powerful gift, and that's the gift of reconciliation, the gift being brought back to God. And uh, at that service, and I hope that you'll all, again, invite your friends and your family, uh, we're going to have a theme of, of welcome home. Uh, welcome home to your family, welcome home to the church, and welcome home to Christ. And uh, so I would really encourage you to invite people to come tomorrow night to uh, this uh, wonderful service that we'll have for you. So today we're looking at uh, the gift of love. Now in the past weeks, <clears throat> excuse me, the first week we looked at the gift of peace. And the gift of peace was the peace of God within us and also the peace that God wants to give us as a gift. And that was a wonderful uh, gift that God wants to share with His children. And then two weeks ago, we looked at the gift of His presence. And, and we asked the question, how is it possible that even though we are sinful, broken humanity, how is it possible that we can stand in the presence of God? And we can do that in such a way that um, the, the text that we read in Romans was that we have that undeserved privilege of standing in the presence of God. And we recognize that that gift of His presence is because Jesus Christ took the hand of God in one hand and the hand of man in the other. And His love and His grace flows through the Father, through Jesus, into our lives. The gift of His presence. And then last week we looked at the gift of joy. Not happiness. Happiness is based on circumstances. But we looked at the gift of joy. A joy that comes deep from within us. A joy that is about understanding and recognizing that God is present in our lives. His grace and His favor is lavished upon us and that our destiny is determined. That is true joy. And today we're looking at the gift of love. And uh, let's look at the text of Romans 5.8. And I'm reading it out of the New, uh, uh, the New Living Translation, which is a wonderful translation, by the way. Uh, for years, since it came out in 1983, I've been a big fan of the NIV, but I'm becoming a newer fan of the NLT the New Living Translation. It is outstanding. And, of course, all the scholarship of uh, everything since the Dead Sea Scrolls in the late 1940s is part of that. But, uh, so if you're looking for a new Bible, consider the NLT uh, when you're uh, going through that decision. But I'll be reading from Romans chapter 5, verse 8 in the New Living Translation. Here's what God says. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while... We were still sinners. The great love that God shows to us is that He gives us His love and mercy and grace while, if you look at the translation, while we're in the midst of still being sinners. We talked about that last week. That God doesn't uh, wait until we get all cleaned up and all shiny before He loves us. He loves us in the worst times of our lives. He loves us in the most broken times of our lives. He loves us in the most sinful times of our lives. He loves us while we were yet sinners. His love, as we talked about last week, has been set upon us. 
That word, and I didn't use this last week, that word, His love is set upon us, it's a wrestler's term. And it's like His love is so great that it literally pins you to the mat. Now, if you ever want a, a picture of God's love for you, you just recognize that, that God will pursue you. He is the God of, of the one who will never let you go. He is the hound of every man. And He pursues you and He wants to set His love upon you. He will literally pin you to the mat and say, Do you know how much I love you? But I'm a sinner. I'm bad. Do you know how much I love you? We were uh, Sherry and I had to go over a Monday to Los Angeles for... I had to do the funeral of a... I, She's kind of a great aunt, and we're very close to their family, and they wanted me to do the ceremony. So I, I did the uh, funeral on Tuesday. And um, after the service, a young man uh, came up to one of the, uh, the lady, her name was Aline, who passed away. Uh, her grandson uh, came up to me and said, I don't know how it's possible that God can love me. My heart is so black, and my sin is so great. I'm, sh- I'm just sure that God hates me, is what this young man said. His name's Sean. And so I said, Sean, let, let me ask you something. If uh, someone in the world really hated you, and they just despised you, if they wanted to be uh, your enemy for life, if they really hated you, would that person uh, draw near to you, or would they go away from you? Would they be repulsed by you? He said, well, they would just run away from me. If they were my enemy, if they hated me, they would run away from me. I said, but the Bible tells us that God has set His love upon you and He's literally chasing you. That's how much God loves you. He he doesn't love you because you're a sinner. He loves you because He created you and He wants to redeem you. He wants to set His love. He wants to pin you to the mat with His love. That's how much God loves you. His love is expressed in His great pursuit of the feeble, the broken, the sinful uh, the ones who just don't have it all together. That's you and me. Now, one of the great truths of the Bible is that when we pass from darkness to light, when we pass from death to life, when we entrust our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ, the real reality is that we, and listen to this, we literally invite Jesus by His Spirit to take up residence in our hearts. It's a, a spiritual transaction. We give God all of our garbage and He gives us all of His grace. It's a spiritual transaction. He takes up residence in our hearts. Uh, Sherry and I have a, a, a girl that uh, grew up with Sherry in high school. They were in high school together, right? And she's coming to spend a few days. Her family lives in Phoenix. She's from Texas. And she needed a place to stay. And so she's going to stay at our house. Now, because of that, uh, Sherry has been cleaning the house extra good, and I've been helping. And, and we get her. Now, now, what we might have done is when, what, what's her name? Cindy. When Cindy gets here, we could have said, now, Cindy, uh, make sure you wash your sheets before you, because you don't know who's been sleeping in those sheets. And be sure you vacuum your bedroom and make sure you clean up the bathroom, because, you know, Drew and Maya and Philip have been over there. And, you know, it's a mess. And, you know, and be sure you clean up stuff before you move in. That would be ridiculous. But here's the neat thing about Jesus living in your heart. Jesus doesn't expect you to clean up your heart before he moves in. He says, I'll do that for you. I'll be the kind of guest that I'll come into your life and I'll do all the cleaning up. You don't have to do it. I'll, do all, I'll be not only the one who is hosted, I will be the host. I will literally take up residence in your life. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 3. This is a great text. Uh, verses 17 and 18. Again, in the New Living Translation, listen to this. 
then Christ, listen to this, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love. Just picture that. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. You underline that passage in your Bible. If you've got an electronic Bible, you figure out how to underline that thing. You do it in 17 translations and different, uh, you know, you underline that verse. Because His love is so wide and so long and so high and so deep. You need to understand His great love for you. Now, the only way that you can understand this wide, long, high, deep love is to invite Him to literally, by faith, come into your life and take up residence in your heart. That's what Paul said in Ephesians. What an amazing truth. That Jesus Christ Himself actually enters our hearts by faith. And He lives in you. And He lives in me. He dwells within us by faith, the Bible says. When I was 16 years old, um, I went to a, a, a Youth for Christ rally in San Diego with our, the other kids from our church. And that night, I walked forward and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Now, I'd, I'd done that a thousand times before. Because as a kid growing up in church, every week, you know, I realized how bad I was. And I just said, God, save me again, because I'm really needing it. And, but this time, there was just something. It was kind of a, a transaction that adults would make. Even though I was only 16, I felt like it was that kind of a transaction. I, I really understood what it meant to commit my life to Jesus. Now, So Jesus came into my life um, when I was 16 years old. And so all of these years later, these 48 years later, Jesus Christ is still living in my heart. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. Now, in the 1960s, uh, there was a movement. It was led actually by a Catholic um, uh, uh, bishop. There was a movement uh, to uh, bring back uh, the saying of a 19th century philosopher infidel, Friedrich Nietzsche. Some of you have heard of him. And his great phrase was, God is dead. Okay? And uh, so that was kind of reinvented in the 1960s by this Catholic uh, bishop. And uh, a lot of people caught on to that. You know, this God is dead thing. So a lot of people wore T-shirts. Well, I had a T-shirt. I wish I still had it, but it disintegrated after a thousand racquetball games. But my T-shirt said, up on the top of it, it said, God is dead, in quotes. And then underneath it, Friedrich Nietzsche. And then under that quote, Nietzsche is dead. And under that, God was signed. Now, I love that T-shirt. So, so Nietzsche's long gone. God's still around. Forty-eight years after I asked Jesus into my life, Jesus Christ still dwells there. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is that spiritual journey of allowing Jesus Christ to live in your heart. When you ask Him to come into your life, you're inviting Him into your, let's say, inner home, and within residence of your heart. Now, there are many rooms in your heart, if you're like me, and this journey that I want to describe to you today is based on a a little booklet by the name of a man by the name of Robert Munger, and it's entitled, My Heart, Christ's Home. Would you pray with me? Lord, you have done me and many here today at Hope Covenant Church great honor by taking up residence in our lives. 
And Lord, personally, I just want to tell you that I want you to feel at home in my heart. And so I would like to show you around and show you the various features of your new home. And I want to say it this way, Lord Jesus. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I've come to realize these 48 years what an honor it is to have Jesus take up residence in my heart. And so I'd invite you to come with me on a journey through my life. Come with me as I show you around my heart, Christ's home. So the first room I wanted to show Jesus when I invited him into my life was the library. It was uh, my study. Uh, I call it the study of my mind. Now, this room is small and has very thick walls, but it's a very, very important room. In some ways, it's the most important room in my home. It's kind of control central uh, in my life. And so Jesus entered with me and started looking around the room and he said, this is nice, Wayne. I like this. He looked at my books, uh, started thumbing through some of my magazines, looked at the pictures on the walls, TV, a very impressive 55-inch flat screen. He looked at my praise CDs and my, all of my... I, I pointed out my impressive collection of Bibles. And he said, that is impressive. Why don't you give some of them away? You don't need that many Bibles. Nobody needs that many Bibles. And, and so he looked around my room and he said, this is really a, a great room. And then the more he looked around, I, I just started getting a little, I don't know, a little uncomfortable. Um, I, I began thinking about how that I maybe needed to make some alterations in this library. I, I just felt like I needed to make some changes. And so I pointed that out to Jesus and he said, well, w- would you like me to help you with that? And I said, oh, absolutely. I, I realized that in my library, the library of my mind, I, I needed to make some changes. And so I said, Master, I know I can make this room better. I'll, I'll remodel it. He said, no, don't bother. Why don't you let me do that? I, I would love to help you. I would, I would love to help you remodel your library. And I said, that would be amazing. And then he said to me something I'll, I'll never forget. He said, I want you to think about me, Jesus said, the beautiful wonderful things I've provided for you in this world. And they're, they're all so good, and they're so wonderful. And, and I've made them for you. And I noticed that the biggest picture in your room, Dwayne, is, is actually kind of a collage of you. <laughs> you know, it's got you playing football and receiving this degree and that. And, it, and he said, I'm, I'm proud of you for all of those things, but can I make a suggestion that we take that collage down, put it somewhere else, nothing wrong with it, but, but what I'd like to do is put a picture of me in the very center of your room. And he said, not only a picture of me, but a picture of me with you. Maybe me holding you up when you're struggling or us having a good time together. But, but I just really like in the center of this room to have a picture of me. You know, the things that you're used to, Dwayne, the things that you feel really prop up your image, well, really, those things are just dust. They're temporary. They're little kingdom things, right? They're small kingdom things. And, and again, they're not bad, but they're not the things that are going to sustain you through life. Well, a- after Jesus helped me redecorate the library, I felt so blessed, so encouraged. This room will never again be the same. The next room I took him to was uh, the kitchen. 
And you all know me. That's my favorite room in the house. I just love the kitchen. It's the room of my appetites and desires. And I said to Jesus, I'm sure you'll find this room very comfortable, Master. I spend a lot of time here. And it's just kind of a warm place. It's where you visit. And so we sat down to eat. I served him some of my favorite dishes for some of my favorite foods. Old bones, corn husks, sour cabbage, leeks, onions, and garlic. All the things right out of Egypt that I just adore. You know, I, These are the things that I desire, that I love. And these are the things that my worldly fare that I had acquired a taste for. And I noticed that Jesus sat there and he wasn't looking unpleasant. He just didn't look very hungry. And I said, well, don't you want to eat? He said, well, I'm kind of hungry, but this does not look good at all. He said, I, I, you know, I just don't think I want to eat this. I, I, Jesus said, Dwayne, can I make a suggestion? I said, sure, of course. This is, I want you to help me remodel this. And Jesus said, I, I have meat to eat that you know not of. My meat, my food is to do the will of my Father. He said further, Dwayne, if you want food that really satisfies let me offer you um, sweet water that will quench your thirst. Uh, let me give you bread that will <laughs> satisfy your deepest hunger. He said, I really want that. I said, sometimes my appetites and my, my desires are, are for things that I, I know aren't the best for me. What I really do want is that bread that will satisfy, that water that will quench my thirst. And Jesus said, you know, there's nothing wrong with accomplishments and accumulations, activities, achievements, associations. Those are all good things. I've created all those things, but Dwayne, those things will not satisfy your soul. They just won't. Jesus said, I want you to understand something. If you want sweet water, if you want bread that satisfies, he said, all of that is found in me. It's found in me. Don't partake of this, partake of the relationship that I have with you. Now, when I was talking to Jesus about that, I slowly felt this kind of hunger and this thirst that I had for worldly things to just kind of start oozing out of me. It was, a, it was a beautiful thing. The next room I showed Jesus to was the living room. Uh, it was a beautiful room, warm room with a fireplace, not like some of those fake fireplaces some of you guys have. It's a real fireplace with real wood and comfortable chairs and oh it's just great jesus said i like this room he said this is amazing jesus said Let, let's let's come here often just just you and me let's let's come here often and, and just spend time together well i was amazed and excited that jesus wanted to spend time with me i mean so i i i promised that i would meet him every morning in the living room and so each day I would go to the library, take a Bible from the library, one of my too many Bibles. I would take a Bible from the library, I'd go into the living room, and there he would be sitting. And I would start reading, and he would reveal to me some of the most amazing things from this book. And we would talk. And he would tell me about his love for me, and his grace, and his purpose for my life. And I can't tell you how precious these times alone with Jesus were. They were just like breath to me. It was amazing. But as, as the days passed, as you would experience, we sometimes I would get very busy. After all, I am a pastor and I'm always doing important things, right? And, and so I would be very busy and sometimes I'd kind of rush through our time together. Jesus 
would always understand. He, there was never a sense of condemnation or shame or anything like that. He wouldn't understand. He said, go ahead. I know you've got lots to do. And, and so I would. And, and then uh, he never made me feel guilty. There was never a sense of condemnation. They simply reveal his love to me. And then days would pass sometimes and I would forget about him. But then I'd always go back and he'd always share his love for me. Well, one season of the year, I got very busy at work with my church and my family. And so the days passed and the weeks passed without meeting Jesus. So one day I was rushing off to work. I passed by the living room and I noticed the door was ajar and inside there was a light on. I uh, peeked in there and there was Jesus just sitting there on the couch you know, by himself. I, I can't tell you how badly I felt. I said, Lord, have you been waiting here for me all of these mornings? Yeah, son, I told you I would. I, I asked him to forgive me and for neglecting our relationship. And he did, of course, with great love and tenderness. And, and then he said something to me that, that I'll never forget. He said, he said, Dwayne, the trouble with you is that you think this time alone with me is, is, is for your sake. And he said, in some levels, I hope it is. You, you think it's so that you'll get stronger and that you'll be better and you'll live a better life if you spend this time with me. But, but let me tell you something that maybe you've missed. This time is really important to me, Jesus said. I mean, it, it really matters to me. I love you. I redeemed you at great cost. I died for you on the cross. I would do anything for you. And so sometimes instead of thinking about how it's good for you, just remember that this really matters to me. I love being with you. I love talking with you. Well, after that, I determined that um, it wasn't always going to be about me. And I just wanted that time alone with Jesus. And so we walked on and we passed by the next room and it was the, the rec room. I love the rec room. Jesus said, what's this? And I said, well, it's really not that big of a deal, but it's the place where I go to have fun. And, uh, and uh, Jesus said, well, I love to have fun. And I said, what? You're kidding. I didn't think that you would have fun. Or I, The Bible doesn't talk about you laughing or being yippy-skippy. I, I just never thought about you having fun and... Jesus said, you forget that I'm the happiest being in the universe. I love to have fun. So when are you going out with your friends next? He asked me. I said, well, actually tonight, but you wouldn't want to go with us because, you know, we don't always go to the best places. And I mean, we might throw back a few and we might, you know, I don't know. You might want to stay home in this one. Jesus said, no, 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 no. He said, you're going to bars? I said, yeah, yeah, we're going to. He said, I love to go to bars. I love it. That's something my the best fun I have. I, I go to these bars and I talk to people and I, and I, and I, people that are lonely and hurting and sad. And I try to go up and have a conversation and I tell them how much I love them. I love to go to bars. I don't like, say, so sometimes I don't like to go to church because they think they already have all the answers, but I love to go to bars. I said, really? That's amazing. I said, sometimes we don't kind of do that. We kind of do other things. They said, well, I'll come with you and I'll show you how fun it can be when you just shine like a light. We just shine like a light. And I was amazed at how much fun Jesus had in the go-kart racing, going to bars, you know, roller skating. It was amazing. We had so much fun. The next room we went by was the, the workshop. And Jesus said, this is a neat room. It's got lots of equipment and stuff. And you build stuff. You build stuff in here. I said, yeah, I do. And 
He said, what do you build? He said, well, I build a career, and I, 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 you know, I build a portfolio, and I, I build all kinds of things. He said, that's all good. I, I love that. But he said, what are, you, what are you building for the kingdom of heaven, the big kingdom? I said, well, I, I don't really understand what you mean. I mean, I've got a lathe and a saw, and a, I, I, what, what do you mean? He said, well, would you like me to help you? I said, of course. He said, it's good to build those things for the little kingdom because you need stuff. You know, you need chairs and stuff. And, but, but the big kingdom, uh, here's, here's what you need to build the big kingdom. All you really need is one thing, and that is my love in you. You take my love to the world and build relationships with people, your church friends, that's always important. But the people outside the church, you take my love and you build a relationship with them. And even your enemies and those who are far from God, especially those are the people that I love to go and build a relationship with. You do that and you're building something for the kingdom. And Jesus reminded me, I already knew this. You're not going to take a U-hole to heaven. So you might as well build kingdom things now, things that will last forever. Well, that was... Pretty much the end of the tour of my heart, Christ's home. We were walking together laughing, uh, just enjoying. I, I can't tell you how much fun it was just to be with him and not have to be on my guard or be thinking about anything else, just enjoying his presence. And it was wonderful. And as I was uh, starting to just kind of uh, sit back and relax and have some fun. He said, well, what's, what, what's over behind that door? Now, this is the question you never want Jesus to ask. Well, that's my closet, and I don't, you don't, you're not going there. <laughs> and Jesus said, well, he said, when you invited me into your life, when you invited me into your home to take up residence in your life, Jesus said, I was under the impression that was every part of your life. I said, well, I guess you're right. Um, and he said, Dwayne, don't you know that there's only one thing that can keep me from you. And I said, what's that? And he said, you. <laughs> You're the only thing that can keep me from you. And I said, well, what do you mean, Lord? And he said, well, the oldest and earliest sin of man is hiddenness. We saw it with Adam and Eve. The thing that keeps people from me is deception and hiddenness. He, he said, I, I, I want to clean your life and bless you and forgive you and prosper you. And I can't do that if you're running away from me, if you're hiding, if you're embarrassed about things in your life that you think I have no access to. So, I opened the closet. It's really hard to do. Embarrassed? You can't know how embarrassed I was. Video poker machine comes tumbling out of the closet girly magazines, stuff that I haven't seen or known about or thought about for so long, but all a part of my past. And I said, Jesus, I am so sorry. Just give me a few minutes and I'll clean this stuff up. I'll burn this stuff in the incinerator. He said, no, no. He said, you don't have to do that. He said, let me do it. He said, Dwayne, I've seen when you've tried to clean this mess up before. You just shove it in the closet. <laughs> Not working. <laughs> let me take care of it. And so he did. Sometimes I, I miss that stuff. But um, this new kind of transparent, real Dwayne, um, this new relationship that I have with Jesus, 
I can't tell you how much it means to me. It, it, it literally is like life and breath to me. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that when I invited him into my life, he said, yes. I have welcomed him into every room of my heart. And he dwells there in grace and peace. Come. Would you bow your heads with me, please?